Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. You're listening to WQYLDB Wathershaw, the talk and music you want to hear. At home, at the office, or on the road, Enterprise Now with LZ Flanagan. Your, your choice for business talk. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. Hello and welcome to Enterprise Now. I am your host, Elsie Flinnard, and I have a wonderful show for you this fine evening. I have with me Dr. John Hens with Waukesha Community Acupuncture and Massage, and he has a ton of knowledge and wisdom that he is going to share with us. But first, have a couple of announcements that I want to get out there to the listeners. We have a couple of new shows on WQYL. DB Radio. The first one being Baseline to Gold Line. It's a sports podcast. These are our guys who are just sports nuts. They love to talk sports. That's what they do. Baseline to Gold Line. It's airing every Wednesday here on WQYL DB Radio at 6 p.m. So check them out. Baseline to Gold Line, Wednesdays at 6. The other show that I want to tell you about is a show called CSMI. And what they do is they interview musicians. They find out what makes them tick, how they get to where they are and where they're going. So check that out. Don't have a time for that one yet, but stay tuned and we'll um, to our Facebook page and our Twitter uh, account. And we'll keep you up to date on when those shows are coming your way. But without further ado, I'd like to bring in my guest, Dr. John Hens. John, as I tell my guest every week, you are willing, you are more than open and uh, to go as far back as you want. Or you can start with current day. Tell us about yourself and, and what you got going on. Uh, thank you, Elsie. Um, well, I've been in practice for about uh, 17 years, 18 years now. And uh, about eight years ago, I decided to convert my practice to a different format. It was a, I had a traditional medical clinic, I guess you would call it, and where I was treating patients and doing normal activities, and I decided that it wasn't satisfying enough, and I decided to change it. And in the process of changing it, I, I was exposed to, years ago when I was training, um, I was exposed to a concept called community acupuncture, and community acupuncture is a whole different approach on how you look at um, healthcare and wellness, and one of the things that they pride themselves on is being able to make um, make acupuncture accessible to the general masses. Um, they, they operate on what we refer to as a sliding scale. So patients are basically able to pay what they can afford. Um, now there's some rules to that, but um, the rules are very limited in order to be considered an, a community acupuncture clinic. But uh, for the most part, there's no 
um, financial background checks and things like that. And it's all based on the honor system. People pay based on their ability to pay, which allows um, the population as a whole greater access to the, to, to the potential care. So I started that up, and most people thought it was kind of a foolish idea just because the financial numbers didn't really look all that good. And eight years ago, remember, was pretty much the height of the Great Recession. So it probably wasn't the smartest idea to start a, to start a new operation in that time. But we ended up doing it anyway and started it up. And uh, ever since then, it's been taken off, and I love it. I see everything that I could ever possibly imagine for problems and patients, and I just I'm I'm in love with what I do. Awesome, awesome, and that that's an important uh, an important thing. We talk all all the time about passion and how important it is to be passionate about what you do, and um and I know just because we're we're in a, a networking group together how passionate you are, and and one of the things that um if you don't mind, uh, can you kind of take us through, um. What Chinese medicine is the the what you did at the group was really fascinating and it, it really kind of um, opened my eyes because some of the things you talked about I didn't realize so you want to to kind of take the audience through what you what you taught us of course um, well Chinese medicine is a complete different approach to care I remember when I was working with one of the doctors that I studied under um, Dr. Zhou he said to me once he said, uh, conventional medicine is very easy. It's very difficult to learn, I should say. It's very difficult to learn. But it's a very simple system to practice. Um, you, you, do, you do a lot of the same things over and over and over again. Um, so it's a very repetitive system where, where Chinese medicine is kind of the opposite. It's a very, very simple system to learn. In fact, you can learn most of the major premises of Chinese medicine in a very short amount of time, a couple months, and you can learn pretty much everything. However, it is an almost impossibility to practice effectively because of all the variables that are there. So in other words, we look at, um, when you're looking at Chinese medicine, you have to understand that it's a different process. I like to say that when you're looking at the patient, you're still looking at the patient, the same patient that the conventional doctor is looking at, but you're looking at it from a slightly different angle. So in other words, you're looking at it from a different perspective. And that allows us to be able to understand that what we are going to do, some of the things are going to sound similar to the conventional medical approach. We use a lot of the same words for many things. However, some of the things are going to be different because of that different perspective. Oftentimes, I like to say that we don't treat diseases. Because in Chinese medicine, there's no such thing as a disease, uh, a disease that we focus on. We really focus on patterns, and we focus on taking care of a pattern that we see. And the pattern can be any number of uh, different problems that might exist with a particular patient. Um, so generally speaking, we like to say that um, Chinese medicine looks at the body as if it's composed of four major parts. Okay, For the first part we would call the, the body itself, the physical body that makes up the human being, so the hair, the eyes, the skin, all the body organs, all of the things that make the body the, 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 physical, the physical shape that it is. The next substance would be, the next area would be the substance that feeds and nourishes the body, which would be your blood. Now your blood transmits oxygen, carbon dioxide through the system. It moves hormones and enzymes through the system. It does what it does, has a very specific role. The next substance is a substance that's unique to Chinese medicine only. And that substance is called qi. 
Now, chi is a bad word. And I say that because it doesn't really have a solid translation into English. Um, the whole concept of chi doesn't really exist in the Western European uh, cultures where they was first born, where they were first exposed to the to the Chinese cultures, and because of that, they, they didn't really have a great way of translating it. The most commonly used translation is the one that we're going to use temporarily, and that term is energy. Um, and if you look at it, we're not talking about energy in a metaphysical sense. We're talking about it more in a in the purely physical sense. You know, you've had days where you've had a lot of energy. You've had days when you've had no energy or every or anywhere in between. And of course, that could mean that those are days where your chi was really strong, or your chi was really weak, or again somewhere in the middle. Now, just like the blood needs a body part or a component to do what it does in the form of blood vessels, because without a blood vessel, the blood really can't do anything. The chi needs a component to do what it does, and the last component would be called a meridian. And I, call, I think of a meridian as a bad word as well, mostly because no one knows what a meridian even is. Um, if you think about it, a meridian is a line on a map that helps establish a position. Now, when the European scholars were first expanding trade into China, and their scholars were talking with the Chinese scholars, and they were going back and forth. They were looking at these charts and these maps of the, that the Chinese doctors were using that would have all the acupuncture points and these meridian lines on them. And the scholars were asking them what they were. And the word in Chinese didn't have any meaning or merit in the European languages. So they looked at them and they said, well, you know, they're using these lines much the same way we use the lines to navigate the map on, the, on our globe and, or our map on to, to get here. And therefore, these are the lines of the human body. These are the mapping lines of the human body and allows that transfer of energy. So they call them meridians. The problem is no one, no one travels by nautical maps anymore, so no one knows what a meridian even is. So if I was allowed to rename it, I would call it an expressway. And um, let me ask you something, Elsie. What's unique about the expressway? Have you uh, ever driven on one? I have. I have. Um, so I was, what's unique about it? Well, I would say that you can go faster and you can have more than one vehicle um, on the expressway at the same time. And I'm, sure. I'm cheating a little bit, but um, you can go in different directions. Well, um, it's true that you can go fast. Why can you go fast? Uh, the speed limit's higher. Well, how many directions can you go on the expressway? One. You can only go one. So in all reality, the reason that we can go fast is because we're all in agreement that we're all going to go one direction, correct? Mm -hmm. So if, if we're driving and we have some cars going slower, some cars going faster, but we're all going in the same direction, it allows us to travel in a much faster rate. Gotcha. So we know that that's not really true, though. So, well, anyways, in any ways, that's exactly how the energy in our body travels in these meridians. It all goes in the same direction. Now, some, sometimes the energy is going faster, sometimes it's going slower, but it's all in agreement that it's going one direction, and that's what really makes these meridians special. Okay. Now, let's go back to that expressway example, and um, we know that, especially living in Wisconsin, every once in a while someone gets on the expressway the wrong way, 
they get on the exit sign, they get on the, on the exit, and they go the wrong direction. And what happens when that occurs? Accident. An accident. What happens to all the cars that are on the expressway when they encounter that accident? Well, they either have to slow down or, or stop. They slow down, they stop. What happens to all those people that are in those cars that are stopped? Well, now if it's me, I get irritated. You get irritated, you get agitated, you maybe you start gesticulating out the window, honking your horn, doing different things, correct? Uh-huh. So what happens is you get that, that congestion that occurs, and the same exact thing happens to the energy in our body. If something happens and you have an accident, you slip and fall or you hurt yourself, we have winter coming, so you hurt yourself shoveling snow, all of a sudden that energy that's supposed to be moving freely and traveling through the body on these pathways can't go anymore. It gets stuck, and that energy sits there, and it idles, and it vibrates. And that vibration is felt in the form of pain. Okay? Gotcha. So we come back to the accident scene. Tow truck comes to the accident scene, hooks the car up, pulls the car away. Traffic starts to flow. Everybody's happy. It's important to realize that the tow truck doesn't make the traffic go. The tow truck just removes what's stopping the traffic from moving in the first place, mm. right? Yep. So if we look at Chinese medicine or acupuncture in this sense as the same way, we take a needle and we remove that blocked energy, allow that energy to dissipate, that allows the energy to move. When the energy starts to move again, the pain goes away and the patient feels better. Make sense? Makes a lot of sense. So that's really one of the main principles of how we look at the movement of energy and how that works. Now, that's just the movement of energy. That's not really the whole picture. We take all of these components and we look at them and we say, well, well we have the body with the blood, the chi, and the meridians, and all of these four components are always talking to each other back and forth. They're always communicating with one another, making sure that there's no problems, there's no accidents. And when that occurs, we say functionally the body is in a normal state. There's nothing bad occurring. Normal is not really a great word to use because there's no real scientific merit for the, you know, for the word normal. What's normal for you, LZ, is way different from my normal, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. So we don't like to use that word. So medically, we like to say that the body is in a state of ease, which means that there's no resistance occurring. The body is doing everything it's supposed to. Now, we also know that that's not really true of the real world because things happen. You hurt yourself, you catch a cold, you hurt yourself shoveling, what have you. When that occurs, you develop blockages, and those blockages could be in the body or in the blood or in the chi or even in the meridians or any combination of them. When those blockages occur, the body is no longer in a normal state. It's in a non-normal state, or, or medically we say the body starts to function abnormally. And when the body begins to function abnormally, it's no longer in a state of ease, but in a state of non-ease. Or medically, we use the prefix dis, which means not. So it's in a state of dis-ease or a state of disease. So how would a person, any person, know that their body is in that disease state? Uh, pain, discomfort. Oh, sure. What would we say pain is? Hmm. You, you start manifesting symptoms or signs because pain is a symptom or a sign that there's a problem, right? Yep. So 
when you start manifesting that, that's, those symptoms are signs that the body's in that disease state. Okay, and we can use, you know, any number of symptoms for example. So, like, we could use, for example, low back pain or headaches. Um, but you don't necessarily even need physical pain for this sense because it's not just the matter of pain because energy causes the body to function in all of its components, not just in that physical sense. So, for example, you could also look at something like constipation where, that's not necessarily a painful situation, but it's uncomfortable for the person who has it. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also situations where you might have emotional problems, like, for example, anxiety or depression. All right? All of those would be signs or symptoms that the body is in a diseased state, which yeah. means it's not functioning normal. Gotcha. And that's because of those disharmonies between the body, the blood, the chi, and the meridian. Make sense? makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot more sense now than it did uh, 15, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so if we have this person that comes in and sees me and says, you know, Dr. John, I want you to take a look at me and I have this problem. I have this problem with my low back pain and I want you to take a look at it. And I say, okay, no problem. I do an exam on them and I find out where all these blockages are occurring and I see that they have low back pain, they have the headache, they have the constipation, they have depression, they have all of those symptoms. And we treat the low back pain, and their low back pain magically goes away. Is that patient better? Well, no. I mean, they, they still have those other, those other symptoms. Correct. Yeah, they still have the headache, the constipation, and depression. They still have those problems. So they're not really better. Now, it's true that the low back pain is gone. But the headaches and the other problems they have are still there. Here's a question. Will the low back pain return? Possibly. Why? Because you didn't, you didn't get to the root cause. That's right. We never treated the root cause. We never treated what caused the low back pain in the first place. The fact is, is that nat there's, a, there's a rule in physics that says nature abhors a vacuum. Nature hates a vacuum. And if you think about it, the low back pain that we removed, the body had uh, already established a sense of normalcy with that low back pain being there. And if we remove that back pain, that's a vacuum. And the body doesn't like that. Nature, nature abhors a vacuum. So the body's going to look at that and say, something's wrong. I must be sick because I no longer have this problem. So it's going to do all it can to bring that problem back. Now, it, I'm not psychic by any stretch of the imagination. I never pretend to be. I don't know what's going to fill that void. It could be low back pain, but it also could be something else like ringing in the ears or insomnia for all I know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just know that something will fill that void because all we're doing is treating the symptom. Gotcha. So it's true. You know, we have to remove that, the blockages in the body and the blood and the chi and the meridians and get those things so that they are always communicating. All right. So if we are, if all of those points that we work on break up those blockages and we treat that patient and we remove those blockages from the body, the blood, the chi and the meridians, at that point, would that body be functionally in a normal state or an abnormal state? Uh, I'd have to guess normal. I would say normal as well. <laughs> All right, then we take and we look at those symptoms. We treat their low back pain and their headaches and the constipation and depression, and we treat all of them. Are there any more symptoms that this patient complained about? Um, you're testing my memory here. I'm not sure if there were... I I don't see any symptoms, so we're going to say no. <laughs> I think that we got them all. 
So if there's no more symptoms and their body is functionally normal, would that patient be in a state of disease or ease at that point? Ease. If they're in a state of ease. Now, this is called root and branch disease theory. And this is the fundamental underpinning of what makes Chinese medicine work. Now, without that, there, it doesn't really work. We could chase symptoms all day. But it's just, I, I often tell patients that I could chase your low back pain. I could treat your low back pain, make your low back pain go away. But it's probably going to come back because we're just chasing the symptom. Mm-hmm. If we don't treat that root cause, we're just treating the branch. The branch will grow back. Will grow back. Gotcha. It's inevitable. And it, it just becomes, in, an, in an essence, it becomes a very, very expensive aspirin. Mm-hmm. Aspirin is a great tool. It, remo- it relieves the symptom, but it doesn't relieve, release the cause of what created the problem in the first place. Right. Otherwise, if you took the aspirin, you'd never have to take an aspirin ever again. Mm-hmm. So we don't treat symptoms. We treat roots and branches. We treat the symptoms and the root cause of that disease. That allows us to actually treat the patient and get them better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, John, we're going to go to a quick break. And then when we come come back, I have a few questions for you about um, your operations and um, how kind of how you do do what you do. Sure. You are listening to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. Locally owned and operated businesses are the backbone of our local economy. They employ upwards of 70 percent of the residents and are the sole sponsors of our recreational programs for our children. Without them, a community ceases to exist. We may not be able to change the economic state of our nation, but we can certainly do so on a local level. Rely Local is a new locals-only business directory. No big box retailers or national chains. Just locally owned and operated businesses who play a vital role within our community. Rely Local is not just about printing local coupons and finding local jobs. It's a campaign to restore strength within the local economy. We rely on these locally owned and operated businesses every day. Can they rely on us? Save time, save money, strengthen your community. Visit RelyLocal.com today. Welcome back. You're listening to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. If you're just joining us, I have with me Dr. John Hens with Waukesha Community Acupuncture and Massage. And he just shared with us what Chinese medicine is, what it's all about, how they treat um, patients. And um, he talked a little bit about his... um, how he operates, um, how he operates on a sliding scale. So I'd like to to revisit that, if you don't mind, Dr. John, and, and just talk about what made you decide to do that. And, um, you know, I know I know you mentioned a little bit earlier how people thought you were crazy, but um, give us a little insight there on um, how that how that works and, and what made you decide to operate that way. Sure. Um, well, when I first was exposed to um, acupuncture, there was a clinic in San Francisco called the Guanyin Clinic. Um, and it was a community acupuncture clinic in San Francisco. You can imagine the prices of San Francisco, not exactly the cheapest area to live in the country, and yet they were doing treatments for $5 a session. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked when I saw that their tables were packed. They had probably close to, if I remember right, close to 60 or 70 tables, 80 tables, and it was filled with people and there was lines for people waiting to get in for their treatment and I was just dumbfounded by it it just blew me away well when I when I researched it more and understood what they were doing it made a lot of sense to me well I it was something that I always liked and wanted to do 
However, I just kind of put it aside because like anyone else who has to take out student loans, you, you try to worry about today and not about tomorrow. And eventually, I started noticing a pattern in my clinic practice, which was I was seeing the same thing over and over again. I was seeing a lot of people with basically just back pain or headaches. And it was one of those things that I don't mind what I was doing. It was okay, but I wasn't thrilled with it. It wasn't like my, taking my breath away every day. And part of it was because I wasn't really being challenged. I mean, there's only so many times I can treat a low back pain and get excited about it because I treat it every day. And the points don't change, the problems don't change, the patients don't change. It becomes treating the same thing over and over and over, and it becomes repetitive, so repetitive that it becomes almost fatiguing to want to be in practice. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't the direction I wanted to go. And I kept noticing that I was seeing the same exact type of patient. The patient would change all the time, different names, but they were the same patient over and over. And I just, it was fatiguing to me. And I looked at it and I said, you know, acupuncture is not a boutique medicine. It's not medicine for the mass pop. It's, it's medicine for the mass population. It's not something that was supposed to be meant for treating just a specific person who could afford it. You know, and at $125 to $185 a session, there's only a few people that can afford that kind of level of care, mm -hmm. especially when insurance isn't paying for it. You have to pay out of your pocket. Gotcha. And I just said that, that there's so many people that could benefit from this type of care. And I decided that on a whim, I said, you know what, I'm done. I threw my hands up in the air and I just said, that's it. I'm going to do it this way. And actually, eight years ago, seven, well, seven years ago, um, I decided to throw it all away and start all over from scratch with this idea. Okay. And what it was, was this whole concept of allowing the the general population to be able to have access to the care in a much more easier way. And finances being what they are, we're talking at the start of the Great Recession, there were a lot of people who lost their jobs and a lot of people who were unemployed. Mm -hmm. But there were still a lot of people that were sick and hurting. And I wanted to be able to access them to be able to help them. So the whole premise of it is based on the idea of having a sliding scale, being being that patient pay based on their ability to pay. Okay. So in my situation, I'll use my clinic as the example. My clinic runs on a scale that slides between $25 on the low end and $45 on the high end. And pe people can pay whatever they can afford in that scale. Okay. Now you would think that, um, you would think that most people would just always pay on the low end. Mm -hmm. When that happens, just the, the law of how that works is that, um, well, people are always going to pay the cheapest because it's what they can pay, so then others pay that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was told was going to happen. And I was prepared for that. So when I decided to, when I started my practice, I decided to um, kind of guard against that to, in a way. So by keeping my overhead as low as possible so that it wouldn't hurt myself. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, if that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. And it turns out that everybody was wrong. Um, in fact, most people pay on the high end than on the low end, mostly because they value the quality of the care they get. 
Gotcha. And um, I have patients all across the social spectrum. I have patients who are presidents of very successful companies. I have physicians. I have lawyers. I have judges as patients. And I have single moms who are waitresses struggling to get by. And I have everyone in between, elderly, working class, upper class, middle class, you name it. Everyone comes to the clinic. And that's what makes it magical. And it's funny when you see people like the single mom who's working as a waitress who says to me, no, I want to pay, pay more because I value this. Mm-hmm. This is valuable to me. And even though they could, if they want to, they could pay 25, they're paying 35 or 45 or, you know, whatever they're paying. And it's because they're valuing the care. And I believe that if you take care of your patients, they will value you. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's how that works. Wow. Now, I, I'm i just thinking here, naturally, there was some, res- I don't know if I could call it resistance, but there's some um some negative attitudes for maybe um, people that are in the same industry as you um, is, was that the case? And if so, how did you, how did you navigate through that? Um, yeah, there's, there's always going to be um, some kind of, I guess we'll call it negative feelings. However, it's not as bad um, as what I thought it would be. There are some people that they want to have, the biggest practice and the most successful practice possible. And they want to have as much money as they can and good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I have nothing against them. And I find that most of the time you don't have any issues with them. Some people do have a little animosity towards that because um, just the sheer patient volume Mm -hmm. that we see in a given day, most clinics would kill for. Gotcha. So then they think that we're pulling something over on them or we're undercutting them or something like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have found that being a good doctor makes your clinic successful no matter what your financial situation is. And if you're good, patients will come to you. And I don't feel that there was any necessarily any issues in that sense. Now, there is a problem when it comes to dealing with like insurances because some places that do take insurance, they don't like the fact that clinics like ours exist because it kind of undercuts from the insurance side of it. Mm -hmm. However, we don't accept insurance. So again, that becomes almost a moot argument. Gotcha. So I'd like to hear more about um, one of the things that you mentioned is uh, quality of care. Take me through that. What is, what does that look like from, from your perspective, quality of care? And uh, because really what you're talking about is customer service, right? I know we don't want to call patients customers, but, um, Right. Tell tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, we we although there's if you think about it, there's two different types of of businesses. You have those that provide a service and those that provide a product. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, when you're dealing with healthcare, what are you? Are you providing a service or are you providing a product? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what where you get into the quality of care issue, because when you're dealing with medic, medicine, you have to look at are you are you delivering on a product or a service? Now most people will say, oh, I'm dealing in a service, and that's I think where they fall down, because we're not dealing with a service. It's true that we provide a service, but that's not what our business is. Our business is health, and the product that we are selling is health. Hmm. 
So we are selling products, and the product is the patient's health and wellness. And that's probably the most valuable thing any person can have in their life, right? Gotcha. If you have, I mean, I, I value my health. I don't know about anyone else, but I think most people value their health more than anything, which is why they're willing to spend millions of dollars and go bankrupt trying to keep themselves alive when they have a serious disease. Mm -hmm. Right? They value that. So I don't look at it as a service because when you're providing a service, all that's expected of you is a quality service. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I paint your house correctly, that's all that it is. But how do I go above and beyond that when it's dealing with healthcare, right? There's only so much you can do. However, if I'm selling, if my product that I'm selling is your health, every step that I take is going to improve your health. And of course, we have our standard ethical um, procedures that we do. We don't do anything that would potentially hurt the patient. We don't do anything that would potentially um, negatively affect the patient in any way. So, I mean, because of that, when we're selling that product of their health, they then respect us more for that because what we're doing is we're looking out for what's their best interest, not just necessarily what's going to be better for them right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. That, that's a, a fascinating perspective. I would not have thought about it that way. So, uh, so thank you for that, for expanding my perspective. Um, yeah, I, I don't know of many people who look at that from that, look at healthcare from that perspective. And I think that's part of the problem that we have with our healthcare industry as a whole. Because when you look at the product, when you look at healthcare as a service industry, well, then it's no different than any other service industry. And we are different than a service industry because, let's be honest, there's, there's services that you need and services that you want. However, there's no service that's mandatory to exist. Those are things that really are beneficial for you. Yeah, I need my car worked on, but the fact is, is you could probably walk to work. It might take you six hours or six days to walk <laughs> to work nowadays, yep. but you could still do it. The fact is, is that your health, there is no, there is absolutely nothing that's more important than that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, let's, uh, John, let's switch gears um, for a second here. Um, I'm curious to know um, on the entrepreneurial slash business owner side of things, what are some of your responsibilities outside of, um, you know, providing the, the, the great healthcare that you, you provide? Well, um, the whole goal is to, you know, it's kind of funny because when I started my business, I wanted, I wanted to, I said, I want to turn the perspective of healthcare upside down and make people, you know, just show the world that it can be done different. And so my goal is to expand and grow like any other business. I'm, I'm in the process of growing. I'm, I'm actually starting my preparation for my next location, my planning for my second location. And then once that gets going, then I will be uh, looking for my third and fourth location as well. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm working just like every other business owner. And the, the challenges that I face is trying to understand, like anyone else, dealing with overhead, dealing with, um, these major issues that we're dealing with, especially in the healthcare field, when you have problems with healthcare, it, it becomes a little more complicated because as a business owner, you have a lot more rules that you're required to do. You know, for example, most businesses don't have a HIPAA law mm -hmm. that they have to deal with where there's patient privacy issues. And those are, those are concerns. However, the longer we exist in a digital age, 
more and more businesses realize that, you know, there are securities that you need on your business, so, you know, so to protect your data and things like that. So in the end, all businesses are kind of turning into the same process. So I don't really see much difference between running a business such as myself, like this type of clinic, and any other business on the planet. Okay, gotcha. So what, what, what's an average workday like for you? Um, a typical workday? Um, well, it's, it's a long day. Um, it's usually spent um, seeing patients from morning until night, and um, I usually have specific time blocks where I see new patients and then working on my patients that need their traditional care. Um, of course, I have uh, time sl slotted aside for employee meetings and things like that where I have to review things that are going on with the clinic, make sure that the operations are moving forward in the direction that I want. Um, I always have um, my office managers in charge of making sure that um, employees are meeting their goals and their expectations making sure that things are being accomplished the way that we want to. And, you know, we, we established a risk, a, a, we'll call it a, a stick and carrot approach to making sure that um, employees are making sure that they stay on track so that um, we try and encourage them to grow with us. So um, I spend probably uh, every other lunch going over that issue um, of making sure that the the business is staying on track and growing in the direction I want. And it's an everyday process. I mean, I, there's never a day where I don't worry about, you know, is this, is this going in the direction I want? Is this, is this helping, you know, the, the main question I always ask myself is this, is this action going to benefit or harm my business? Gotcha. And that's something I ask myself when I start any project. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then I, I go through the day and after that it's just, Pound out patients, work on patients all day, get them better. Gotcha. Sounds good. I think this is a good place to take um, our last break here, John. And, and when we get back, I'd like to to kind of hit on um, the employee side of, of the business as well and kind of get your thoughts that way. Um, because I think it's important as business owners that we share ideas and um, tips for, for dealing with employees in that way. So uh, when we get back, we're going to uh, talk more about that. You're listening to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. We'll be back in two. I'd like to welcome our premier sponsor of the Enterprise Now radio show, the Waukesha County Technical College Small Business Center. The WCTC Small Business Center is a community service initiative of the college with one primary mission, to help entrepreneurs start and grow small businesses in southeastern Wisconsin. The center offers a variety of low-cost to no-cost resources, including non-credit courses, services, and networking events, all designed to help real-world entrepreneurs succeed. Remember that passion without action is just a hobby. For more information, visit www.wctc.edu slash smallbusiness, then contact center manager Russ Roberts directly at 262-695-3468 or you can email Russ at rroberts at wctc.edu. Locally owned and operated businesses are the backbone of our local economy. They employ upwards of 70% of the residents and are the sole sponsors of our recreational programs for our children. Without them, a community ceases to exist. We may not be able to change the economic state of our nation, but we can certainly do so on a local level. 
Rely Local is a new locals-only business directory. No big box retailers or national chains. Just locally owned and operated businesses who play a vital role within our community. Rely Local is not just about printing local coupons and finding local jobs. It's a campaign to restore strength within the local economy. We rely on these locally owned and operated businesses every day. Can they rely on us? Save time, save money, strengthen your community. Visit RelyLocal.com today. Welcome back to Enterprise Now. If you're just joining us, I have Dr. John Hens with us, and he's just shared a, a ton of knowledge and wisdom with us. And uh, if you missed it, go back and um, get the podcast, download the podcast. You can also subscribe on iTunes. You can download the, um, the podcast from our website, www.wqyl-db.com. Look under podcast and, and we'll have the show posted. Um, but let's talk about employees and what kind of things. First, let's, let's talk, talk about um, your employees um, and you can share as much as you want in terms of, uh, of that. But I'd like to get a get a get a bird's eye view into what you look for in an employee and and how you keep those employees motivated. Oh, that's that's a, that's a great question. Um, Okay, the first thing I always look for is um, their overall quality of care towards my patients. You know, when, when a patient comes in, are they going to be someone that I'm going to trust with my patient? Mm -hmm. Now, there's, there's certain things that I look for is their motivation to, to do their work, but I also look at, you know, how, how much, how knowledgeable are they in their field? And what are they doing to continue that knowledge growing? Now, we encourage that all the time, and we encourage it by offering to pay for any continuing education that, that the therapist will want. If, it, if it's going to benefit our patients, we will pay for that, for that continuing education, um, and we encourage it. You know, find classes. Now, that, that's a great benefit that a lot of people don't take care of because it's like I've, I've read more than enough books on management, as I'm sure you have as well. Everybody that's listening would probably say, yeah, I've read that book. I've read this book on management. One of the things that manage that uh, I remember reading is that most, most managers believe that the number one issue for their employees is their pay, when in fact, most employees want to feel valued. Mm. And there's no value that's greater than making sure that they grow their education. If you're encouraging them to be smarter in their field, they appreciate that more than anything in the world. So we encourage that all the time. We make them a valued member of our team. And by doing that, that, that ensures that they always are looking for the best type of care, which means that it opens up dialogue with the other therapists. So if a patient is if a therapist is stuck with a particular patient and they can't get that therapist, that therapist isn't getting them better, the last thing I want them to do is just to give up or continue working with that patient and just say, well, I'm not getting anywhere, but I'm just going to keep working on them. Instead, because of this kind of approach to generating different branches of knowledge with the therapist, the therapist will now say, hey, this isn't working really well with you why don't we try this with this other therapist because they have fresh eyes and they have this other technique that might benefit you. Mm -hmm. And they do that because they feel valued. They know that I can help this patient the best poss way possible by giving them to another therapist to help them. So it encourages the sharing of the patient. And of course, then the patient feels valued because they feel that the, pa that the therapist is looking out 
for the patient's wellness and their, their health, not necessarily for themselves. Gotcha. So we always look at that. The other thing that we look for is just their overall demeanor. And, and I like to say that we follow the, uh, the Disney approach for businesses, um, and that is we are always having a good day. So it, it, the one thing I look for is, is the employee smiling. Mm-hmm. If the employee smiles naturally and regularly, that's a big plus. If they have to force it, I really don't care as long as they're smiling. Gotcha. So, because um, I mean, let's be honest, we've all had days where we didn't want to smile because we we're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But I look at it that like this: the patients don't need to care if you're having a bad day. They're here because they're obviously having a bad day because that's why they're here. Mm-hmm. They're sick. They're they have their health problems. That's why they're in our office. So the last thing I want to do is pile on to that issue with an employee's bad day. So we have a rule that employees are not allowed to have bad days here. They walk through that door, they're smiling, and they're always reminded of that. Well, a happy environment actually breeds that a lot easier. So the employees tend to always encourage other employees, and we all help each other out to keep each other's spirits up. So that really is a big, that's really the second thing that we look for. Gotcha. Now, how does that affect? I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Every week I take notes. Um, I tell people all the time. I, I, I really, really enjoy meeting cool people. And, you know, I learn so much by hearing people's journey and their story. So every week I take notes and I and I don't just take them during the, the show. I, I refer to them. I go back and I look up the different things that, that we talk about. Um, so uh, that that principle or that practice of smiling how does that or does that affect the the chi or the energy part of the body? Um, because there's some circles that, you know, they're all about positive energy, positive thinking and that type of thing. Does that play sure. a role? Um, I would say in, a, in an indirect sense, yes, because if you think about it, if you're if you're in a bad place emotionally, because let's say, you know, you had a you had a, your tire pop on the way to work and. And all of a sudden you found out that your kid has gotten to a fight at school and you, here you are, you, you have to go to work and you're not having a great day. Yeah, guess what? You're probably not going to be at your best performance m- mentally or physically. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not able to, to do that, yeah, that energy in your body is going to not move very well. But more importantly than that, do you think as a therapist you're going to be able to provide the best care for that patient in front of you? Right. No, you're not. Yeah. Um, However, if you're having that bad day and one of the employees, one of the one of your fellow employees pulls you aside and gives you a candy, a little piece of candy and says, hey, you know, you can get through the day. You're doing great. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you know, your spirits lift up. You're feeling better. And you start to notice that the energy around you is positive. Mm -hmm. Even though you're having that bad day, when you're at work, that feeling of being in a great, happy place just it just exudes around you and you just soak it up like a sponge. <laughs> and then you're much better able to work on a patient. In fact, we have patients comment all the time when they come in that they are just, they love coming in and just sitting in the waiting room because it's so, it's such a nice place to be. They say, God, I love the energy here. It's mm-hmm. always so exciting and so vibrant. They always say that it feels alive in the office. And I said, that's what we want. Yeah, I have never said that. You know, no one can ever accuse us of having a clinic that's a, a relaxing place to go gotcha. because the energy is too it's too excitable. Gotcha. But that's what we want. I don't want a quiet office. I want an office that's filled with life and energy and 
makes people want to be alive there. And that's great for healing because that, all that positive energy in that sense makes you feel positive yourself. And even the patients absorb that feeling. And of course, if you're feeling good, your immune system is going to respond a lot faster to care. Your body's going to respond a lot faster to care. You're going to get better in a shorter amount of time. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, when I'm when I'm driving, um, going going back to your um, your your highway example, um, I you you don't always have the the opportunity to control what happens to you, but you always 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 have the the opportunity to um, to dictate how you respond to it. So if I'm on the freeway and someone cuts me off, I have a decision to make. I can allow that to ruin my drive to work, or I can just you know brush it off and continue on and drive more safely. You know, so I think that that's a really, really, really good point. And, and to, to, to show it as that, the example of the highway is really, really huge because it, it kind of puts it in perspective and, 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 and lays it out in a way that everyone can understand. I agree. I think that, um, I think that uh, we allow ourselves to be influenced by so many external sources nowadays that it's easy to let things go. Just because if you look at, you know, cell phones and, well, now, now you know, look at smartphones and computers and laptops, iPads, you name it, whatever. All these, we're just being bombarded by all of this different, these different things, devices, if you will. And devices are getting smaller and more, I mean, everything from Fitbits to you name it. Now, you know, you have all of these devices that are, that are there constantly exposing us to something. And next thing you know, someone cuts us off. Well, how is this affecting our day-to-day? -day? You have all of these things exposing yourself, and you choose what you're going to let happen and not happen. In fact, I saw a study just today when I was reading the news this morning that showed that kids who, um, kids who are exposed to smartphones in their bedrooms on average sleep four hours less per night than kids who don't have cell phones in their rooms. You know, it's like these things, that affects you all, in all different ways. And we choose every choice we make. Yes, you know, the person who cuts you off is important. But sometimes it's something as simple as where you plug your phone in makes a big difference in how you're going to affect your day-to-day. -day because if you're charging your phone in your room and you're getting four hours less sleep in a night, mm -hmm. do you think you're going to be more quick to respond to that person who cut you off on the highway the next morning? Right than you would normally if you had the full eight hours. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, so yeah, all I mean, these little decisions affect us. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all connected. So let's, um, John, I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, there's an event that you have coming up, um, and um, I, I'd like to, to give you an opportunity to kind of talk more about that and um, get that the word out uh, about that, if you don't mind. Awesome. Thanks, Elsie. Um, yes, um, part of our... Part of our operations in our clinic is more than just what we do in the clinic itself. We also love to give back to the community. And we work with different organizations, different nonprofit organizations, where we collect objects of needs or, or things that they need particularly to help them support their mission and their cause. And we call it kind of helping our, our, way, our clinic's way of healing not just the patients but also healing the community. Well, we have one particular institution that we do every year, and they are a favorite of ours. And it is the Hope Center in Waukesha. And the Hope Center is a day shelter um, for homeless people. And in the wintertime, they, they go through a lot of things that they need. And one of the things that we do is we hold an event. And we call it the Beans and Broth Food Drive. And it's an open house. And we allow patients to come in, people to come in. If they're curious, they can try acupuncture or massage for free. 
They can come on in, just walk in, and for the whole day we do mini treatments and all day. We have food, we have uh, raffles and drawings and all these different events. The only thing that we ask is in return you bring a donation of soup or coffee to help support the Hope Center. And it all goes to the Hope Center to support them. And over the years, um, it has been such a phenomenal drive. Every time we do it, um, they're very grateful for it. We collect, in any one day, we collect enough soup and coffee to help the Hope Center for almost two and a half months. And that's just with that one day of collection. So it's something we're very, very proud of. This is actually going to be our eighth annual food drive on Wednesday, December 14th. Um, it's the second Wednesday of December. It's always the second Wednesday of December. And um, over the last eight years, we have collected over I think when we looked at it, over 11,000 pounds of soup and coffee just on those one days. So we're very proud of it, and we encourage people that if, they're, if they are interested to try acupuncture or, or talk to an acupuncturist or if they're curious about massage and how it could possibly benefit them, come on in. It doesn't cost you anything except a can of soup. You gotcha. know, and bring it in, donate it. Well, you can you can get a treatment. You can talk to other people who are there. You can talk to the therapists. You can talk to other patients, and everybody. You see that the way that we run our clinic is so different, so unique. I mean, everybody is so outgoing and so friendly, whether it's the patients or the the, the, the therapists. That you, you just love showing up. People will show up and they'll spend two, three hours there just talking to everybody and mm -hmm. just having a good time. It's just a wonderful event. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, well now that you mentioned it, John, I mean, one, one of the things that, that we care about here at WQIL, um, DB Radio, um, and Enterprise Now is just that we uh, had a, a partnership with uh, Hunger Task Force. Um, and so we're always looking for um, additional community uh, events and, and uh, organizations to partner with. So if you don't mind, um, sometime between now and then, if you, we have a, a place where you can go to our website and post the event. We'd, we'd love to have um, to help promote and um, get the word out about this event as well. If you, you know, if that's something that you, you know, would allow us to do. Of course, it's always, always willing to, we have it posted on our Facebook page and it's more than you can always go there to get the information, but you can post anything you want. Link, you can link to our Facebook site as well. And just always, anytime we can spread the word for that. I mean, the Hope Center is just an amazing institution. They help so many people who need it. And I mean, when you see the, the good work that they do and the people that they're helping, it just it makes you feel like you're actually accomplishing something in your life when you when you have the opportunity to help them. You know, it's like, wow, you really make a difference. So, gotcha, gotcha. of course, any chance that we can to help spread the word by all means. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll definitely do that. So in our, our we have about three minutes left. And um, as it does every week, the time has just flown by um, every time I, I'm, I'm sitting and, and we're talking business and uh, sharing people's passions and journey. Um, I, I'm curious to know, John, what what would be one piece of advice that you would give other entrepreneurs or business owners um, if, if you had them down for sitting down for a cup of coffee? What what advice would you give them? Wow. The best advice I would give anyone who's going into their own business is do what you love, not what you want. Because if you're doing what you love, no matter what you're doing, it will never be work. Now, you may not pay right away. You may not get financially rewarded right away. But eventually, it will break and you'll get rewarded for it because people want to work with people who have a passion for what they do. 
very well stated um and, and i harp on it all the time passion 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 and you you hit the nail on the head it it takes time i think one thing that that i i always like to tell um potential business owners entrepreneurs is it's going to be hard <laughs> it is going to take time oh but uh but like you yeah. said having that passion will get you through those tough times when you're not making um as much as you would like to be making right i mean it it's that passion oh, man, that's going to carry you through those hard times right well i tell people if you love what you do it's not work and you don't care if you're working 18 hours gotcha which you're going to have to if you if you're opening your own practice you're opening your own business you're going to be working 18 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I often joke because some of my friends will get together and I, I brag about the fact that I only have to work half days because I'm, and I own my own business. I only work half days and everybody's, <laughs> Oh, you're so lucky. And I say, yeah, I work from 12 to 12. You know, I work from seven <laughs> to seven. That's a half a day. <laughs> so you're going to work, but if you're going to have to work that much, you might as well love what you do because you're not going to get rewarded for the time you're putting in until much farther down the road. But if you love what you do, it won't care. I look at what I'm doing today and I say, you know, eight years ago I retired. Gotcha. I, I haven't worked a day since. Awesome. Awesome. So John, do you want to give out your, your contact information, maybe your um, email or, or website? Sure. Uh, the website is wcamclinic.com. Of course, you can look up Waukesha Community Acupuncture on Facebook as well. And our office number is 262-547-1411. And you can always set up times to talk to any of the therapists or come on in to get a treatment. If you're curious about something, you can always talk with anyone that answers the phone. They'll be able to answer any questions you might have. And they will answer the phone with a smile. Always. That's one of the rules. <laughs> well, <Gotta> awesome. Smile. <laughs> awesome. I, I, I appreciate your time, John, and, and just spending the time taking us through um, what Chinese medicine is. I, I know I learned a lot and I know um, the, the listeners are learning a lot as well. So um, I appreciate you being on the show. Oh, thank you, Elvie. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Awesome. Well, our time has come to an end. And um, if you're listening again, you can check us out at www.w qyl-db.com if you uh, missed the live broadcast and, and you can download the podcast and hear all about Chinese medicine chi and highways and good and bad energy and all that good stuff so thank you again for listening we'll talk to you next week What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.